Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, if you have not met me, my name is not Greg. Um, I am Dalton Bradley. I'm the kids and small groups director here. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, And we got Greg down uh, teaching the older kids class today. So with all that I am, I am hoping that when I go down there, they just have him tied up. They're beating on him like a pinata. Um, and he just gets to experience some of the, some of the, the fun parts of working with the kids. Um, but I'm excited. Let me tell you, it is such a privilege to be able to speak today um, on Palm Sunday. Um, this, over the past couple years as I've been with Glory Church, we, I've begun to study Holy Week a lot more in depth than I used to. Um, growing up, I didn't really look into the history of it or anything like that. Um, But doing that 6.30 morning meeting, worshiping, and just looking at what Jesus was doing at that time long ago, it's so powerful. And whenever you get to Easter, you just get there and you're like, wow, like, I know what Jesus did moving towards Easter. I know what he's feeling whenever he gets to the cross. And it's just so beautiful. So challenge there. You can join there. It's in the morning. I don't know about y'all, but... In the morning, it feels like all my walls are down. So whenever we worship in the morning, I'm just crying. Just, I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that, but it's a lot easier for me to just cry and just let go early in the morning. So every day. Thank you. Um, so not only is it Palm Sunday, but I get the privilege of capping our Moving Forward series. Okay? This is a series, if you haven't been with us, that we've been working through. We've been gone through all kinds of things. We've talked about finding your purpose using spiritual gifts, how to study God's word. And I sat back and I was like, how do we even cap moving forward, right? The whole point of moving forward is that it doesn't end, right? That we just keep moving forward. So how do I finish this? We are talking as a staff, and I think the heart that we have for today, as we are going through Jesus moving towards Jerusalem and everything that Jesus was doing, that we take what Jesus did and we look at it and we see that Jesus was the master of allowing those around him to make decisions about who he was. And hope you can put that up there. That we allow those around us to make decisions about who Jesus is. When you are in tune with God's spirit, when you are following through with what you've been doing to follow Christ, others around you will be prompted to make a decision about what they think about Jesus. They can make a decision to not follow him. They can make a decision that, man, the characteristics in that person that they're showing of Jesus, I want some of that. And they could follow that. But either way, we are prompted by the word to make it available to people. And Jesus did that everywhere he went. His disciples were always questioning him. When he was thinking about going to Jerusalem, they were like, uh, Jerusalem's going to be tough, Right? There's going to be some, some hard things there. In fact, you might die. And he was like, that's kind of the point, unfortunately. And all of these people around him, the Pharisees, they don't understand why he makes the decisions that he does. But he continues to follow the heart of the Father. So we're going to look at this, and we're going to read about the triumphal entry. Um, but first, let's just pray um, and take some time to get our hearts ready. Father, we come before you as we just sang, and you are glorious. 
And Lord, I just pray that above all today that your word, that your truth would come out, regardless of what it looks like, Father. I pray that we be able to hear your voice clearly, that each of us individually, you would speak and prompt, convict our hearts on what we are to do moving forward for you. And that when we would leave here today, we would have a better idea in our heads of how we can move forward and allow those around us to see the glory and the grace that you are. And today, we praise and honor you for that glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're reading in Luke. You can turn to Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. We're going to read a little bit of it and then stop. And the Bible says, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, uh, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. Okay, so here we find Jesus preparing to go into Jerusalem. And he gives his disciples kind of an interesting task, right? He said, go find me a donkey. Okay, and there's a reason that he chooses for them to find a donkey. Okay, and the reason being that the donkey was a symbol of peace. Okay, and Jesus was choosing something that wasn't expected. Okay, a couple... Um, songs ago, I guess a few minutes ago, we sang the song, Make Room. It says, I will make room for you, right? Okay. And it's all about making room in our hearts for God. Okay. Taking what I was, who I was before you, Lord, and I surrender that to you. And I want you to come and I want you to rewrite every part of me. As I hear from you, would you take the things that you don't desire and then would you take, and you, would you throw those away, would you take the things that were good in me and amplify them, that your spirit would be alive in me? Make room. But let me tell you, when you make room for God truly in your heart, there will be ripple effects. When you make room for God in your heart, then it allows other people to have room for, to choose Jesus, right? If I'm making room for God in my heart, others around me are going to have that chance as well. How did Jesus make room? He chose the donkey, the symbol of peace. Everybody is looking at him and saying, mm, Jesus, we prefer that you ride in on a horse because we've been, uh, we've been stifled, we've been hurt. Physically, we've been hurt by the Roman Empire. Um, we need help. Come in and save us. But their expectation is not what Jesus is going to follow through with. And you can write this down. Number one, practically, if we as people are going to make room for those around us to choose Jesus, we must follow this. Jesus' decisions were not based off the expectations of those around him, but by the heart of the Father. Jesus' decisions were not based off the expectations of those around him, but by the heart of the Father. So how can our heart be prepared to open space for people, for people to choose Jesus? Mm. And so Jesus makes all these decisions. He makes room. He allows them to see him choosing the colt, and they say, uh, why the colt? And he chooses God's heart over his self. And I want you to look at your life today, and I want you to think critically about it. 
and think, has my Christian walk lately been safe? When I've been choosing and making decisions and people look at me, do they say that, man, Dalton has it all together? Every decision that Dalton makes, I agree with. Man, he's right in line. And I want to ask you, is this the heart of Jesus? It's not. When Jesus walked in tune with the Holy Spirit, when he made decisions, nearly no one around him was able to comprehend what he was choosing to do. And so for our lives, if we are going to follow the heart of God, then we must make decisions that are going to look a little extraordinary to people. We need to speak up in situations where normally people would say, ah, probably don't speak up there. There are so many different situations that you can think of and how to do that. But I want to talk about what the world says that you should do. And this was on my heart this week. The world says, you can write this down, that you will find your own happiness. Find your own happiness. And we'll talk about how it leads to bondage. But the world says, find your own happiness, right? Everything that you choose to do, whether it be your job, um, your status, your family, whatever, Seek for whatever is going to make you happy in the moment, okay? And then if that doesn't make you happy for long, move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and continue to search for happiness throughout your life and keep going and going and going, then eventually you die. I thank God that that is not the heart of my father. That is not his heart. And you can write down, like she had on there, finding your own happiness will lead to bondage. Finding your own happiness will lead to bondage. And let me tell you how it happens. Because whenever you find your happiness, I can find it in all kinds of different ways. You don't know how happy I was when the Kansas Jayhawks won the national championship? The Kansas City Jayhawks. Some of you might have seen the Instagram story where I was not happy about that on my wife's. Um, the Kansas Jayhawks won. And let me tell you, the cool thing about sports is, wow, that feels really good for a moment but now I'm already thinking about next year, and I'm wondering if, if the Kansas Jayhawks are even going to get to be in the postseason next year due to some other things that I won't elaborate on. But it fades, right? That happiness fades, and so I'm consistently looking forward to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And let me tell you, that is bondage. If in the in-between you are longing for something else, then that is bondage. That is not my God. Let me tell you, I used this metaphor this week um, in small group. I have no idea if it hit or not, but I'm going to try it again here with Hannah's water bottle, okay? This is how we view ourselves. We view ourselves as a water bottle that is not quite full, okay? And we're constantly searching to be filled by the things around us, by happiness, by whatever we can do to find to be happy, okay? We view ourselves as that water bottle, and that is a lie. That is a lie because when Jesus comes in, when the Holy Spirit comes in, he says that we are filled. You are as a water bottle that sits under a faucet that is continuously running. And whenever something's continuously running in a water bottle, what happens to it? It overflows and it splashes to things around it. That is the heart of the Father that you would believe today that if you have God's Holy Spirit inside you, you are filled. You need be nothing else. You don't have to do anything to pursue happiness. You are filled with joy. And if you are filled with joy and you can sit in that, let me tell you, it's going to make a big difference to the people around you and the way they see you. If they look at you and you're trying to go around and find happiness everywhere it can, you don't have time for them. You're trying to find happiness. But if you know that you are filled, you will make decisions to step into situations that initially doesn't make me maybe feel happy. I don't love passing out door hangers. 
I, that's not my favorite thing to do. I don't, that's not, you know, if, if some of you guys really enjoy that, it's not my thing. But I am filled by Christ, so I know that the decisions I make do not need to be based off of what is just going to make me happy, but what I know that God wants me to do. And there's no judgment if you aren't able to make it today. That's not like, a, like, like I'm, I'm counting who was listening. It's not like that. But in any decision you make, that's a simple one for me. And immediately, my heart, when I think of door hangers, I'm like, man, I'm going to want to nap after I speak because I am tired when I get off of here. But the decisions that we make matter. David says, back to the water bottle, he says in Psalm 23:5, my cup runneth over. And if David could say it, y'all know the story of David? His cup runneth over. He's in the midst of all kinds of things. And he looks at God and says, I am filled. And I desire that the filling of me by you would translate to other people. So that's point number one. That's point number one on how we can make God available, Jesus, a a decision to be chosen to those around us. We're going to continue reading. Starting in verse 37. As he was drawing near, thank you, Hope, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace, they got the picture, huh, about the donkey. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, listen to this, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The very stones, the rocks around them would cry out with who God is. And Jesus says, nobody needs to say anything, but let them say it, because these rocks cry out evidence of my creation, of my Father's creation. Woo, that's good. And so you can write down number two. Like Jesus, if you want to make an impact on those around you, Jesus spoke unashamedly of the authority and the glory of God. The authority that God is Father, that what he says is right, and not only is it authority, but it's glory as in it's good. It is good. And Jesus sits in that, and he believes that. And as he looks at, I just think of like him looking at the Pharisees, and the Pharisees have their own, their own mindset about what he needs to be doing and everything. And that, that rebuttal, the very rocks cry out. If that could be my heart when people question Jesus around me, that the evidence of Jesus in, is in everything around us. Whew, that's beautiful. But let me tell you that we as people practically, you might be sitting there and saying, man, Dalton, that's hard. It's hard consistently for me to endorse Jesus, and I don't know why. Let me tell you that we are good at endorsing things. I'm real good at it. Um, I got, I got t-shirts from YouTube shows I, I like. I got United States men's national team soccer jerseys. If somebody starts a convert, if I talk with Chandler about disc golf, we can talk for two hours. Because I love to endorse the things that I am proud of. And yet I was convicted this week because oftentimes the God that filled me, I struggle to talk about more than the things that just bring me temporary happiness. I don't know if you're like me today, but that convicts my heart. That convicts my heart. And there are some things that I believe that we've been believing that keep us from that. And it's the idea that the world has that you must live your own, anybody know? Truth. Live your truth. 
That is not the heart of God. The heart of God is to live God's truth. When Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, the very rocks cry out, he is saying, this is God's truth. I don't live my own truth. I don't live the Pharisees' truth. I don't live the disciples' truth. I live God's truth. And the very rocks cry out in praise of me is what he's saying. If we could do that, I want you to write down, thinking about living in your own truth, it will lead to isolation. Living your own truth will lead to isolation. Let me tell you how. If you are living for your own truth, it will always lead to you feeling alone. And here's why. Because whenever you live your own truth, you have designed in your head what I'm going to believe, but yet it's my truth so nobody else has it, right? It's my truth. Nobody can speak to me. Nobody can speak against me. And you might be really nice to everybody around you because you believe that those around you are living their own truth and they're welcome to do that. But let me tell you that one of the sweetest parts of community in Jesus is knowing that the people around you, when you get in a tough place, when you're struggling, when things are tearing you down, that people around you that know Jesus have the same philosophy as you. They have the same belief as you. They can speak truth into you so that when I'm down and I need people, they are around me. But if you live your own truth, nobody can say anything different to you about what you're believing and you're alone. You're putting yourself in isolation. And we can think about this and be like, yeah, unbelievers be saying that, but believers are living that so often. And let me give you examples. This is from my own heart. There are so many times that I've told myself that I don't know about enough about the Bible, enough about God. I'm not in the right position to be able to speak God's truth to people. I say that to myself all the time. I don't know about you. But in his word, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness, and my weakness it is made, it made strong. So whenever I'm holding myself back from speaking about God, I'm saying that I am not enough, that I can't do it. I am living my own truth. I'm not living God's truth. I'm not living God's truth in that. I've heard people say reading isn't for me, so, so I don't really know the Bible that well because I don't really like to read. You guys ever heard of Joshua, the book of Joshua? This book of the law should not depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate on it day and night. I don't care how you read it. If it's an audio book, you need to know it. Because Jesus was so cemented in what God says and who he is that it gave him the power to speak the rocks cry out. I've known that. I've lived that. Jesus lived in that. And when we say that we don't know enough Bible or I don't really like reading my Bible, that's our own truth. That is not God's truth. I've heard this said too, and many of you probably have as well. When confronted with a situation where God is calling us to speak truth to somebody, that might be a little conflicting. That might make them feel a certain way. We say that we choose love. We choose love. And that we're going to, you know, just kind of ease things over. We're going to make sure that they know I love them. And we keep ourselves from speaking about who God really is. Because I want to make sure that they know that I love them. What would have happened when Jesus was looking at the Pharisees if they said, man, tell your disciples to stop praising you. And Jesus goes, okay, okay, let's make sure everybody's happy. Okay, uh, disciples, you quiet down. Maybe just a light, just a light little praising and make sure that everybody's happy, right? Would that have made any, would I be talking about this today? No, no, that wouldn't have done anything. Jesus was firm in what God had said and said, 
my love is one that will tell you the truth. Let me tell you that today that we must begin to tell the truth about who God is. And it might make them not happy for a moment or maybe for a long time. But you telling God's truth matters. And if you want to make ripples, if you want to make room for decisions to be made about who Jesus is, you got to talk about who the real Jesus is. You have to. You have to. You must speak unashamedly of the authority and the glory of God. I have a friend. Isaiah's, I think, maybe the only person in this room who knows him. His name's Josh May. Josh May. And he laughs. Josh May was was a guy who was put randomly in my dorm. He was in my room when I was in college, okay? And Josh May stands about 5'2", palest human I've ever met, and also very skinny. Um, And that was Josh. And the first time I saw him, I was like, I don't know what this guy's going to be like. And the way he just walked, just everything about Josh was different than the normal person that you meet, okay? But as I began to know Josh and to get to know him, I began to see some fruits of the Spirit in Josh. When Josh spoke, I was like, all right, I got to be quiet and listen because it was powerful because he loved God. And let me tell you what I think and what I believe made Josh the way he was. If you were to come back into the dorm room at any time, let me tell you, in college, I was all about finding happiness. Wherever I went, I was desiring to find happiness. I was not in a good spot. I was out, out doing whatever, working out, playing basketball, doing whatever, avoiding anything that was missions with the, with the school, all of that. And I, every day when I would come back into the room, if Josh May was in there, he would either be in the bathroom or he would be in his bed. But he wasn't sleeping in his bed. This is what he would do. He would literally just in his, you could barely see him, he'd be crouched down in this little ball and he would take like Gollum style a blanket and just put it over himself and be sitting there with his Bible open at his feet. Every time, if you came back in the room, Josh would sit there curled in his little ball with the Bible at his feet. And I began to believe, even when I wasn't searching for Jesus, that the Bible and what God had said had made Josh the beautiful human that I knew. And there was a time, a few years later, where I was struggling and I was down. And everything I felt like was against me. And I felt like nothing. And I remember it was late at night and I went to my room and I was crying. And I thought about Josh May. And I took my Bible. And I opened it up and I sat in a little ball on my bed and I opened my Bible. And the Bible began that day to rewrite in everything in me that had been. And made way for a new life. I would not be standing here. I wouldn't be plugged into church. I wouldn't have so many beautiful things if I had not had a Josh May to show me how powerful my Bible and my God is. And I pray to God that you have been a Josh May or that you've had a Josh May and that we as a church community can begin to be Josh Mays. Josh is a missionary in Greece now. I love Josh. But the heart of this is that what if that was me? That even, Josh didn't even have to say anything to me. His actions spoke loud enough. And it created a ripple to where I had to make a decision about who Jesus was. That's point number two. We're going to continue reading. And this is a sad part, so be prepared. Starting in verse 41, you can put that up there, Hope. This is Jesus looking at Jerusalem. 
It says, and when he draw near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon you, upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And so we see Jesus looking at Jerusalem. And for me, he's saying all that could have been if they had chosen him. And Jesus, think about this, the son of God, your God, sat at Jerusalem and wept. And wept and wept, thinking of what he desired for you. What he desired for you. And you can write this down, number three. If you are going to make ripples in the people around you, if you're going to give them an opportunity to see Jesus, we see that Jesus became emotionally invested in freedom for those around him. Let me tell you, Jesus had to believe in what he was saying to get that emotionally invested. When he saw the people that he had came to save, not choosing him, it made him emotional. And let me ask you, when was the last time that you got emotional about the people around you? When I got emotional about the people around me? When I considered my wife, my family, my friends, the saved versus the unsaved, and longed for them to know God better? And it brought me to tears. It brought me to get on my knees and say, God, it's worth praying for. It's convicting to me. Jesus, the Son of God, took a moment and said, I love these people and long for them and wept. How can we do any different? Now, you can write this down. Our heart posture towards God dictates our investment in others. Our heart posture towards God dictates our investment in others. Let me tell you, you will not be invested in the people around you if you're not invested in God. If you don't fully believe with all of your being that God is freedom and that there are countless people around you that are in slavery, then you're not going to get emotionally invested. And so if you're sitting there today like me and you've been challenged to get emotionally invested, you have to start with getting to know your father and going before him and saying, God, all that I am, I've been living for a lot of things. I've been trying to do a lot of things out to find my own happiness, to live my own truth, all these different things. But God, I want to start caring about the people around me. I want to start believing that you are freedom. For some of you, it's been so long since you've seen any kind of freedom in your life because you don't step into it that you've forgotten how good God's freedom is. When I opened up my Bible that day, there was immediate freedom. Lexi went and saw me, and Lexi saw the difference between somebody who had not been in this Bible versus someone who loved God, and she saw it glowing afterwards. I have seen so many different things, so much freedom in those around me, and even in all of that that I've seen, even I can lose emotional investment. And so we have to go back to God every single day and say, God, all that I am is before you. Nothing else matters but you. We must do that. And band, you can come up if you want to play something. <laughs> if you want to play something. <laughs> you do that whole little, that little churchy thing where they play in the background and I get really emotional. And I love that. But I want to end with this, and it is emotional, so it's perfect. 
I, I was reading in my Bible this week this whole thing about the triumphal entry. And I was reading about what the Jewish historians say and all the history of it, and I was getting real nerdy. And one of the Jew Jewish historians put in there in the commentary something that I really loved. And it was this thought that, okay, Jesus right now is headed towards his death in a few days, right? At that same time, the Jewish people are celebrating the Passover, okay? And so at that same time, for the Passover, they had to sacrifice lambs. And the Jewish historian that I read, this is what he said. He said that over 250,000 lambs were sacrificed just for that one. And I got this picture of on the same day that all these lambs are being led by their shepherds to the slaughter, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, comes in on his donkey and says, I am the Lamb to end the sacrifice. Next week, we are celebrating. It's the best holiday. I don't care what y'all say. It is the best holiday. Yeah. Jesus, the Lamb of God, said, I am the Lamb. I have come to end the religion. I've come to end all of the things that you felt like you needed to do to be close with me. And I've said that I am here for relationship with you. Whew. I am the Lamb. So I want you to picture that today. And throughout this week, if you're joining us in Holy Week or not, take some time during your days and think about what was Jesus doing right now? The Lamb of God that gave his life for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I can't even begin to express how good you are. And I just pray that something, just something, would stick today. That we would have just a little bit more of a picture of how good you are. And that as we begin to learn of your goodness, that it would lead us to wherever that you call us to go. Regardless of what society says, regardless of what our friends say, that we would follow your heart. That we would see freedom for those in bondage. We pray this in power and glory because you have the power and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.